my name is Julie Turney, and this is the HR Sound Off Podcast Show, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent topics and trends as it relates to our professions. We're going to have amazing conversations with HR professionals from all over the world, get to learn their origin stories. How did they get into this profession? What do they love about being here? And how they want to set the record straight on that one misconception that really drives them crazy about our profession. Are you ready? I'm ready. Then let's sound off. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the HR Sound Off podcast show. My name is Julie Turney, and I am your host, magnifying HR voices and telling our stories. Today, I am joined by my guest, Jane Ferry. How are you doing today, Jane? I'm brilliant. Thanks, Julie. Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm really excited to be here. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Like, I love magnifying HR voices. The more people I get to meet, speak to, share their stories, the more it really helps other HR professionals to build confidence in the profession um, and and other listeners get a chance to learn a bit more about HR and gain an appreciation that they didn't have before and that's that's the whole aim of the game here. (laughs) So why don't you start by telling our audience who is Jane Ferry? So the Jane Ferry right now is a professionally someone who helps frustrated HR directors to bring redundancy consultations to an end quickly Mm. so that they can exit senior leaders with speed dignity and grace from their business because having senior leaders hanging around who aren't part of the future is a freaking nightmare i meant to ask am i allowed to swear on this podcast because hr we need to swear a lot to just get through the day. <laughs> HR just needs, to, just needs to let it out. Just needs to let it out. It just needs to drop the F-bombs. Um, yeah, so, so that's kind of who I am right now. Yeah. And I've I've got there through experience, experiencing redundancy myself twice mm-hmm. in a year. Mm-hmm. One of which was my own choice and that I engineered because I knew the process. Yeah. And the other, the other one um, was not. And that came as a bit of a surprise. So I've kind of experienced both of them. Yeah. And and that it's still a shock, whether you're mm-hmm. expecting it or not, it's still a shock. Yeah. And you still go through that roller coaster of emotions. Yes. And it's still rejection. This is what I I compare job hunting and being in a job it's like being in a marriage it's yeah like being in a relationship yeah and somebody <laughs> is like divorcing you they're saying we don't want you anymore and that's like pretty hard yeah <laughs> it's rejection and it's yeah. you know it's part it's of hard, life hard to bear it's true but um i will ask i will go back to that statement that you made that you thought you slipped under the radar Um, (laughs) but before I do that I want to just ask you to just give us like a snapshot of your HR career what has that been like for you how did you get into HR and what made you stay so the the thing that got me into HR weirdly was I was working for um, British Airways. I, I worked there for almost 20 years. That's where most of my HR career was. Mm-hmm. I was in revenue management for the cargo division. Right? Mm-hmm. So like you couldn't get anything less glamorous than working <laughs> shifts with a bunch of 
I was 20 something at the time with a bunch yeah. of 40 and 50 year old blokes. Um, so <laughs> deciding what freight is going to go on the aircraft and what isn't. Mm. And wow. we were moving buildings. So they built this state of the art building um, and they were doing this sort of sheep dip, uh, mm -hmm. you know, like let's show everybody around the building. And I was chatting with the, the trainers during our break time. And they said, you know what, you'd be brilliant in training. And I was like, oh, thank you. And they were like, we've got a vacancy actually in our team. And I was like, great, that's nice. I mean, yeah, it closes tonight. So I was just like, okay, oh. they were like, please apply. Cause mm -hmm. like, please apply. <laughs> so I went home, um, I redid my CV and submitted my application and long story short, got the job and that, yeah was back in 1999 oh my god yeah so, wow. um, when we were all jamming to prince and <laughs> that was that was like my first job like in in hr and then yeah. i moved so i did a lot of training um you know in the cargo division so mm -hmm. a lot of it was what i call the black and white training the sort of instructional type stuff yeah um, and then I moved into some of the leadership training stuff. And then in 2008, mm -hmm. I, um, we had a new HR director who almost ripped apart HR within BA wow. and implemented the Ulrich methodology, which mm -hmm. at the time was kind of, you know, leading edge. We had yeah. Dave Ulrich come and, you know, do his thing. And I was yeah. like, actually, this is what I want to be now. It's like, I was promote. I was on the fast track program. I was now an HR business partner. It was this thing of you're strategic, you're not um, transactional, and I was like, thank God, because all the HR people I'd seen, it was all tissues and sympathy, and you know, like transactional stuff. And I was like, I can't deal with like policy no. and all this. You know, like crap. Having managed a team, I just mm -hmm. the, the HR support that I got was, I just found it really frustrating. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly it's like I that's the kind of HR I want to be this, yeah. this strategic business partner to people mm -hmm. so that that so I worked as an HRBP for god it must have been about eight or nine years across loads of different areas in the business and then the bit that I really liked about strategic HR was talent mm -hmm. and my last job in BA was head of talent and that is my passion yeah in terms of HR I think it's this thing of it's just such a positive um, if you imagine that CIPD wheel that they used to yes. have, yes, they still it's have that it. Thing of still the, have it. the talent bit is, yeah. is the bit that I'm just passionate about, yeah, um, because I think it crosses over so many different things. Mm -hmm. And if you get it right, that yes. is, that's that's the future of your business, it definitely is. That's such an amazing snapshot of your <laughs> HR career and how you've developed and grown. So then how did you make this transition to where you are now um, in terms of helping exit HR leaders or leaders in organizations from talent um, to. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of interesting, actually, because the the um, you know, if you talk about if you go to sort of well, let me ask you a question first. How did I get here? Um, I was rejected by two businesses. So I, so um, the airline industry and, you know, right now we're kind of post COVID and in the yeah. UK, it's, you know, it's still on its knees and yeah. guess what? They're short staffed after getting rid of, 
so know, many people. 12,000 people. Uh, duh, didn't see that one coming. Mm. Um, but, oh. uh, but I, I, uh, my role became redundant. So they, they did this usual thing of let's put three roles into one. Uh, Jane, would you like to put yourself forward? Uh, no, I wouldn't. Thank you very much. You can stick that where the sun don't shine because I'm not doing three jobs in one. Um, so time for me to leave. And I just yeah. kind of knew I was at that age where I thought if I don't leave right now, yeah, I'm going to become that 50 something year old person in the corner that's just whinging and has seen it all before. And it's just yeah. really negative. And I don't want to be that person. No. So I I, I got another role as head of training at, at Leon restaurants. And then that role became redundant eight months later. And mm-hmm. I just thought, I don't want to work for people anymore. No. <laughs> I want to choose what I do, where I do it, who mm-hmm. I work with and when I work. And yes. I took that kind of leap of faith and was like, okay, it's now time for me to set up my business. And, uh-huh. you know, I've, I've, tr- I've done what I've learned as part of setting up a business is, you know, when you've had like 20 years experience, you've got, you. there's so much that you can do. Yes. But in terms of marketing yourself, mm-hmm. you can't market yourself as I'm going to be everything to everybody. So exactly. You, you, you have you to find can't. your niche. You have yeah. to find your niche and, and work with that. And a lot of, lot of HR professionals that turn consultants, I think that's why a lot of them fail because yeah. that's how you market yourself as like, yeah, I'm just here to solve all of your HR problems. You couldn't, if you couldn't do it from a corporate perspective in someone's organization, it's going to be even harder on the outside. So when I hear consultants complaining, I go, but you did it to yourself. You expect (laughs) it to still be all things to everyone outside of the organization. And that's not the whole purpose of becoming a consultant. You niche down, you find what is your passion and you do that. Yeah. You know? And, and it's interesting because people, um, you know, we've kind of connected via LinkedIn and people mm-hmm. follow me on LinkedIn and they, they still message me and they say, I know your profile says, like, you know, you help with outplacement, but I, I've just started a new job. Can you coach me in my first 90 days? And I'm like, yeah, of course I can. <laughs> I can do that with my yep. eyes closed. Yep. So let's, you know, if you want to do that, let's work on that. Right. Um, but in terms of marketing, you, you've got to choose your you've got to choose your niche. And you know what? You can choose whatever you want and you can chop it and train change it whenever you want. How that's what when, we were just talking about before we got started, yeah. you know, about um, going through different evolutions. And I think that's the good thing about as a business person being um, very agile in the way you practice your business. And when things you test and yeah. change, right, if things aren't. If you're not happy with how certain things are going, you can change it. If you yeah. are happy with things the way they're going, you keep it. If you just want to be able to attract a bigger audience in a different way, then you change it. So yeah. you just have to find what works for you and do that. Yeah. It's funny, actually, because I do see a lot of a lot of HR um, consultants and if this is you I, I might be talking to you but I see the kind of LinkedIn headline and it's change management OD leadership yes. development coaching and I'm just like you can't possibly it's too much. you can't you, like I don't know I don't know what you do so therefore I wouldn't go to you because mm-hmm. you're trying to be everything because just in case you might miss out on some opportunity mm-hmm. but it's like mm-hmm. 
Oh, we're getting on our soapbox already, and (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, stop it, because people are going to come to you because they have one big problem that the people inside their business can't solve for them. Yeah, that's it. You need and get clear on your message. Yes, just be patient. (laughs) Be patient. A lot of you know times you want to make money now. Yes, and I understand the importance of that. But you have to be patient and you have to test and experiment until you get clear on exactly what it is that you want to do. And then you need to work with someone to brand you accordingly because you can't do all those things for yourself. It just, it's too much. Yeah. At some point you have to, you have to stick your hand in the kitty and go, look, I need to invest. If I really want to take this seriously, I need to invest to make this happen and to make this better yeah that's the challenge though as well it's finding the people who um who are not going to i've who are not going to rip you off i've had so many stories of people kind of working with coaches and business mm. coaches and it's just like that they've just been burned or they've just not done the work because exactly. the works the, the stuff around you know like identifying your ideal client or your niche is just it's really hard, hard. Right? you've got to dig deep yeah you've got to be really honest with yourself because mm-hmm. a lot of it is about who do you want to work with exactly, yeah. who exactly. Do you, what types of business do you want to work with startups do you want to work with uh big you know multinational organizations mm-hmm. do you want to work with the third sector do you you know and how much how much money do you want to make right because HR people are not very good at talking about money no. either. No, so they're how not. How much money do you want to make? And if you want to make, you know, six figures, then you've got to up your prices because there's only mm-hmm. one of you, unless you're exactly. going to have one of these, you know, income generating businesses that works without you being in it, which mm-hmm. is, you know, not as easy as it's made out to be. No, definitely, definitely not. You've raised so many good points. And <laughs> I think that I hope that our listeners today you know, really do take that to heart because I just think that so many people burn themselves by not getting clear as early as possible on what it is that they want to offer in terms of services and then how they want to market them and being clear on their wording and their branding. I think a lot of people struggle with that. And you need to be able to make a decision about how you're going to invest to make sure that that happens. I I truly believe that the day of the HR generalist is going to gradually come to an end because we've seen that as an HR generalist, it's very hard to tackle all of those requirements all in one. you, You will always miss something, drop something, because you can't do it all. You can't. You can't do payroll, administration, recruitment, talent management, strategy, HR analytics, well-being, benefits, performance management, engagement, (laughs) policy formulation and strategy or design. You can't do all of those things successfully. it's, It's virtually impossible. And all of those things lead to the definition of insanity you will lose your mind if you just yeah. continue to try to do all those things. What do you think? I, I do. I mean, this is what I loved about um, becoming an HR business partner at the time I became an HR business partner, because the message was really clear. 
you know you're not doing um transactional stuff you mm-hmm. have shared services for that yeah and do you know what anybody that can do that transactional stuff i freaking love you yeah. because you being brilliant at your job enables me to be brilliant at my job exactly <laughs> and i and i just absolutely love that but yeah. some of my colleagues who were in the hr space before me really struggled with that yeah because they what that was their um almost the way that they proved their value to the mm. business leaders and i'd move into new business areas and they'd say oh oh can you can you write this secondment letter and i was like no no <laughs> no I'll send you the template. It's on the and, and 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 also the worst thing is when someone says it's on the intranet. I would just freaking hate that. So it's like the template is on the intranet. I'll send you a link to it. You know, and it's and what we had in BA was you know all of the templates for you know appointment promotion secondment everything was there. You just fill in the gaps. That's yeah. it. It's very simple. I'll send you the link to it and the process you know to get it to shared services so that the change actually happens in the system yeah it's like i'm not doing that for you and you start to do that stuff and then you start to be seen as some sort of secretary and it's like hr is not there to do the line manager's job for them because who does that job for hr when hr have got a secondment or a you know a promotion or a recruitment who am i outsourcing it to no one, no one. As a line manager, I need to do that job myself. Yes. It's not because I'm HR, it's because I'm a line manager. Yeah. Just as line managers need to do their job. Yes. That oh, my dear. Preach it, dude. Preach it, dude. <laughs> preach. I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more. I want to go back to that statement that you made earlier that you slipped under the radar. <laughs> which one was that <laughs> where you talked about um you know making your own position redundant because you knew the process yeah let's talk a little bit about that what led to that and why I think you talked a little bit about it earlier but like what advice would you give to HR professionals who may be in a similar situation I think you've got to figure out what do you want right so what what do you there's, so there's there's almost a couple of process that processes that are happening concurrently. So the first one is the process that's happening in the business. So the redundancy consultation process. And remember, it's about reducing, mitigating, and avoiding redundancies. Yes. So if there is a job that you can do that they can match you to, the business has an obligation to do that. The question, the more important question is the one that you need to ask yourself, which is what do you want out of all of this? Because you are not. So I heard Oprah talking to somebody about this the other day and they were saying, are you the are you waiting to be chosen or are you doing the choosing? Choosing And for people Mm -hmm. who are sitting there going, oh, God, hope I get a job, hope I get a job. It's like, do you want a job? Because I'd got to the point where it's like for my own sanity I need to get out of this business yeah and so I choose to leave and you know I'd I'd been part of a lot of outsourcing processes a lot Mm -hmm. of redundancy consultations I knew what the check well I knew what was in them checks yeah you know (laughs) it's like I know what I have a right to I know what the precedent is here I know how to um 
you know get myself on guard and leave using the the structures and the processes and the yes. industrial agreements that we've got in place you know yes. and I can you know and if there's going to be trouble I will cite you yeah like at least 10 cases that are similar to mine mm-hmm. um and it's that thing but you but I had decided that I wanted to leave and that's the first thing yeah it's not about it's about what do you choose to do don't yeah. let the business choose for you no because it has to be a suitable alternative. And yes. there are some things where I just said to my boss, we went through the list of vacancies and I went, you really seriously want me, want to put me as head of D- D- diversity and inclusion as it was at the time? I went, really? I went, I'll go crazy. Yes. I just went, it's not where, it's not where I'm going to be great. I, I, and also that's not a job in my experience that, that kind of gets you noticed it's like a thing that's tolerated in the business and and certain businesses give it lip service rather than yeah. actual meaningful meaningful work impact. yeah 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 and so so you know I looked at this these jobs and I was like I don't want to do any of these jobs that are available thank you very yeah. much so I'm choosing to leave and yeah. so I'll let me make that happen following the pro you know I wasn't doing anything anything that was extraordinary or that hadn't ever been done before mm-hmm. I was just doing what we had done as HR professionals when leading redundancy consultations in the business yeah so precedent is there mm-hmm. you want the list because I got one <laughs> yeah I love that Jane because sometimes I feel that as HR professionals we forget that we're the ones that have either created the policy sit very close to them the processes we know the pay structures and all those kinds of things and we don't use those things to our advantage like if HR really was the evil genius that people think we are I think a lot of us would be way ahead further ahead than we are right now yeah uh, which gives true testimony to who we are as HR professionals at our core anyway. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Most people underestimate the power of process. They stick it in the back seat and forget about it until it's too late, but they shouldn't. Processes run the world, literally all of it. Stopped supermarkets, on-time trains, and safely landing planes are all made possible by systems of intricate interlinked processes. They are the secret sauce of every great company and HR teams are responsible for some of the most important processes of all. Onboarding employees, building teams, crafting culture. These vital systems are the lifeblood of every organization. That's why this episode of the HR Sound Off podcast show is brought to you by Process Street, the process platform of choice for HR teams around the world. Process Street is a no-code platform that lets you transform your most important HR processes into powerful workflows. Design beautiful employee onboarding experiences with extreme engagement that increase inclusion and reduce turnover. Sync tasks into Slack or Microsoft Teams, automate emails, handoffs, and so much more. Thousands of teams, large and small, trust Process Street to manage their most important people processes, like Salesforce, that use Process Street to onboard all the 3,000 Slack employees after the $27 billion acquisition. You can learn more and sign up for a free account at www.process.st. I want to ask you, 
if you could give advice to your younger self now starting out in HR, what advice would you give yourself? I would say um, move in and out of HR. Never heard that one before. That's yeah, because I'm myself. This is, <laughs> this is really interesting because I always remember this from when um, we had the new HR director who came in and, and, and brought in the old rich method. And one thing, although he'd never done this, when you look back at his career, so there's the irony. Um, <laughs> but one thing, one thing he always said was, I mm-hmm. want you as HR professionals to move out of HR and into mm-hmm. business mm-hmm. and then come back into HR. So it's mm-hmm. always like, go and do business leader jobs yes because I had so many people in HR that you know we'd have you know we'd discuss you know challenges that were going Mm -hmm. on in the business and I would sit there thinking you lot (laughs) you lot are sitting here in your ivory tower these are my colleagues who I loved dearly um but it's like you're sitting here in your ivory tower telling people how they should manage their people so far you have never managed people you're you're sitting saying what you should do and and I think this is where I made a big difference yeah. I'd managed teams yes. in, in cargo yeah. I'd managed teams of like line trailers who weren't taking any shit at all yeah and it's and I and I'm sort of saying to the business leader what do you want to do tell me what you're tell me what you want to happen and let me show you how to get there yeah in a respectful way yeah so because you want to sack and if it's the case of I want them out of the business okay then be honest with me yeah and let's figure out a way to get them out of the business or I'm just going to tell you that no you need to go and I don't know put together a proper performance Mm -hmm. improvement plan or Mm -hmm. you know whatever it is but if if you want them out of the business and they're not right for the business let's do that but do it in a respectful manner that follows the rules yeah so it's 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 that it's like don't spend all your life in HR that's no get out do something else and come back because you'll yeah. be a much better HR person. Exactly. I think people just get the get out of there, <laughs> but not the. <laughs> but do come back and share your, you know, your yeah. lived experiences and your knowledge and your expertise, because it does definitely make you more well-rounded yeah. once you've been exposed to all of those. Otherwise, as a as a business, particularly a, a large business, you're going to have a team of HR professionals who've mm-hmm. only ever worked in HR yeah they don't understand the business, business you know and actually HR people need to be business practitioners very business very business savvy yeah yeah I preach that all the time the importance yeah. like when I say how much money did your business make last year don't know how much did they make versus their competition <laughs> what did your competition do in terms of being more successful at recruiting that you didn't do what were some of the recruitment drives that were happening on the outside because I think sometimes we get tunnel vision we get into an organization we just know that we've got to do this and this is all we focus on versus but you know what we should look and see what's happening over at Virgin or we should look and see what's happening over at Delta and what are they doing differently um what are their retention what are their attrition and retention rates like and what are they doing what's the best in practice and how can we make our organization better I think a lot of times people just get tunnel vision and it's like we're here to either discipline we're here to you know give advice create programs and let's just get that done and they don't look anywhere else but right here blinkers are the worst thing so I think 
I'm always advocating, look, go outside, find out what's happening in the outside world, bring that and relate that back to your business, but know where your business is at. And you, how can you create HR strategy or plans if you don't know where your business is at? How? Exactly. And HR strategy is business strategy. Yes. It's like, it's almost like, you know, you need to start with your business strategy. It's like, mm-hmm. not don't go and sit in a dark room and create a people strategy. Yes. It's like, what's the business strategy and what, and it's almost like, right. So what do, does the people team need yeah. to do in order to, to, to deliver that strategy to the business? Yes. And actually it's not, it's not for the business to come up with the answers. No. It's for you to come you. up with the answers. Yes. It, yeah. And even if your organization does not make room for you to take on other positions, go sit in other parts of the business for a couple of weeks or months and just see how they work and how they operate and what their objectives are and how they tie back to yours. Everything that happens in an organization always ties back to HR because you're exactly. responsible for the people experience. Yeah. And, and you know, the brilliant thing about being in HR is that you're in a position to get to know everybody. I mean, you know, and I think about, yes. I've, you know, I worked across cabin crew, flight operations, engineering, you know, commercial. It's like, I know mm-hmm. most people in, in certainly, you know, in, in those areas that I worked in, yes. you know, it, and it's like, if you, you know, start to build your network exactly. because you never know when it's going to come in handy. Never know. You never know. I think our soapbox, we can get off our soapbox a little bit, Jane. <laughs> so I want to ask you, what do you do for self-care? Obviously, you're still very much connected to HR and especially the, the process of helping people out, you know, outplacing and helping people to exit organizations with dignity and respect. And that can be a very heavy job. Mm-hmm. And then I know for me as a coach, supporting burned out and frustrated HR professionals and helping them to level up and find their, their love for HR again, that sometimes I get so caught up in the stories, I get I can get depressed very quickly at some of the horrible things that I hear from my clients. How do you take care of you in the moments that you're doing what you're doing? I think for me, it's almost creating the life. It's the prevent, it's the prevention thing. Yeah. So I have always, so I am a child, it's so interesting. I, I am. <laughs> child free by choice Uh and yet when we talk about things like flexible working it's always talked in the view of there's an underlying thing which is this is about women with children and it's like no 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 hang on a minute I practice flexible working because my friend's over from Paris and I'm meeting him we're going to the theater so I'm leaving at you know half past four to get the train Mm -hmm. and it's that and I like to think of it in terms of balance it's almost like there are times when do you know what you're working 12 hour days and you're about to you know you're about to launch like a bomb that's gonna like blow off Mm -hmm. everywhere and start fires everywhere yeah there are times when it's just like you know what it's like clear your diary that's what it is for the next couple of months but you cannot do that all the time so it's then about just flipping the switch and then you know when the i'll tell you what the thing that drives me crazy um lunch and learn (laughs) no 
I'm not, I'll come to your lunch and learn, but I'm not lunching there. So I'm very much of the, so my, my, my surname is French. I, I used to live in France. My lunchtime is, is not spent at my desk. It is spent away from my desk, sitting down with a knife and fork and, and eating my lunch, wherever yeah. that may be. It might mm-hmm. be on the roof terrace in the summer, in the dining room in, in the winter. It's not taken at my desk. And I'm certainly not taking a brown bag into a session where I'm expected to do some work. Yeah. So it's this thing of balance. And it's, yeah. you know, and I used to put in like my lunch breaks in my diary. Yeah. People complain about they're like, oh God, I'm back to back to back. And it's like, yeah. hang on. Your diary is yours. Self-inflicted. Self-inflicted. You own your diary. Correct. Put in there the time. So I I now do not take meetings before nine Mm -hmm. by exception. Yeah. You know, if I'm doing like a training course for someone. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. 10 a.m. is my first meeting. Yes. Um, It's it's and it actually used to kind of be like that. The corporate world. They they knew I was not an early bird. But Mm -hmm. my lunch break. It's, it's, a, it's an appointment in my diary because yeah. you know what? I'm going to eat lunch. If I'll come to your lunch and learn, and then I'll have my lunch break because yeah. the two don't, the two <laughs> don't coexist in my world. Mm-hmm. So you've got to, you've got to step up and you've got to own your own time. And this is about being really clear about your boundaries yes. in place. Yes. So get the balance right. Yes, definitely. I love that. Thank you. Tell us what you're reading, watching, listening to right now that you think our audience would appreciate. Doesn't have to be HR related. Oh, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) I love it when it's Um, not actually. (laughs) So the thing that I am reading again, and this changed my life actually. Um, So it's a book called Getting Things Done. Mm -hmm. And it's called The Art of Stress-Free Productivity. And I was actually coaching. So I was a coach in BA. So I was a job plus coach. Um, so I did my day job and coached people on the side. Yeah. Um, another cost cutting measure. Um, mm-hmm. But there we go. But I was coaching a lady and we were talking about her workload. And she said to me, she goes, oh, you know, my son, he's got this book. And long story short. And I was like, I was sitting there as the coach thinking, I think I need to read this book because yeah. I'm in this place where it's like, I've got so much going on. I don't know how to like, it's starting to get a bit overwhelming. Yeah. Literally finished that session, went back to my desk, Googled this book, ordered it on Amazon there and then started reading it the next day when it arrived. And it is literally how I live my life. Yeah. Um, and it's about just capture. It's not about doing more. It's about capturing stuff, everything, holding nothing in your head. Yeah. So my head is empty. Empty. As my head is empty because everything is in my system mm. and having everything out of my head in my system frees up that psychic ram to be able to be creative and yes. offer solutions and whenever and make judgments about the things that are coming in mm-hmm. so either batting them straight back mm-hmm. or um if it's coming in i can look at everything that i've got and i could say to my business leaders right well i can do that for you yeah. or we can make that happen but what's happening with this yeah you know? so the, the last week's latest and loudest thing is that still what's happening or do, yeah. do you want me to cancel that or do you want... right so it's not just i'm not just adding more and more stuff onto my plate but you're prioritizing I, and being prioritize. yeah and it's, it's a great way so you know whenever i'd sit with a you know with a business leader i'd have their agenda in front of me so i would i, I use a system called todoist you can use trello 
any any of those yes any of those but everything was tagged so all my business you know at one point I think I had about five or six uh, business leaders so each business leader had a tag and I'd sit down for my you know weekly one-to-one I'd bring up Matt and they're like here I've got your list in front of me let's talk about this and then you go in and you own the agenda you're not in the meeting taking orders which is what a lot of HR people do so it's it's called um Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity. And it's by a guy called David Allen. And it's changed my life. Love it. Love it. Thank you for sharing that. The last big question, Jane. (laughs) What's the biggest misconception about HR that really bothers you that you want to set the record straight on right here, right now? (laughs) I think it's like we've talked about this quite a lot. I think it's this, I think it's, HR people need to change the way that people perceive HR and that is done by how you behave so all these conversations about HR needs a seat at the table yeah it does but you don't hear finance people going oh finance needs a seat at the table table. it's just a given right so stop being the victims in all of this and just put your but you need to start acting stop acting like an hr person start acting like a business business person, person. start acting like someone that's that's got and got a, a work stream if you mm-hmm. want but you're not there taking orders you're part of that conversation and you're part of the solution yeah so so it's about changing i hate this word like your mindset like when you're going into something mm-hmm. but you know you don't hear finance people going oh we need a seat at the table exactly yeah or marketing or operations they're just yeah. there right <laughs> or legal or whatever yeah. you know or, yeah no one yeah they're they're all there so you deserve your space own it prove yeah. it exactly. get out of the tunnel vision get more business savvy yes mm-hmm. absolutely i love it thank you so much you survived your time in the sound of jane there yay <laughs> I really appreciate you being here today and sharing your story, your experiences, your knowledge, being vulnerable. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Whenever I hear something like sounding off or it gives me an opportunity to get on my soapbox, I am there. So thank you for for giving me the voice. You're welcome. (laughs) Tell our beautiful audience where they can find you on social media. So my social media of choice is LinkedIn. So um, please do connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, and if you want to find out about me, my website is just my name. It's janeferre.com. You heard it, people. Thank you so much. And I wish you all the best. I'm looking forward to seeing all the wonderful things that you come up with and listening and following your journey on LinkedIn as well. But don't be a stranger. You're welcome here anytime. Thank you, Julie. You're welcome. Thank you for joining me for this episode of HR Sound Off. I hope that you found it useful. You can find this and all of the episodes of HR Sound Off on all major podcast platforms. Spotify, Apple, Amazon, you name it, we're there. Remember, HR Sound Off is created by HR professionals for HR professionals. If you would like to share your story, then reach out to us and let us know. Make sure to hit the notification bell and subscribe to HR Sound Off on YouTube as well as Podbean. And we'll see you again when we next sound off.